Welcome to another episode of Don't Worry About It with Neeks. And today we have Kathleen Neal. Welcome. Thank you. I'm really excited to be on this podcast. I've like kind of heard about it a little bit. Um, so I'm excited to, you know, actually be involved. Yeah, glad that the, <clears throat> the circle is expanding and that you get to be a part of it. Um, so to jump right into it, uh, empathy. Uh, we there's it's a broad word. Um, <clears throat> I guess we can start with the uh, the applications of it and um, and how we see that um, you know influencing you know individual interactions and then also the, the broader broader societal impact of it. Yeah. Um, well, you're a psych major, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I think you have a good understanding of it as well, but um, I, I'm really interested in neuroscience, which I was telling you a little bit about. Um, and so I think it's really cool to kind of find and understand the like um, tangible, like, you know, neural substrates and correlates for these kind of more abstract things. Um, and so that's kind of what I've been studying and looking into and stuff. Um, but yeah, I guess like the way I'm, my lab that I'm working in now um, is a lab on social and effective neuroscience. So kind of focusing on empathy essentially. Um, and so how we define it is like the internal representation of others like emotional state. Um, I'm sure that's like, makes sense. So mm -hmm. like what you, <laughs> how you understand it. Um, but something that's really cool, like in research we've done is that um, like the same regions of the brain that are activated when you yourself experience pain get activated um, when you like, it's almost like you're experiencing someone else's pain yeah. or suffering or like other stuff like that. Um, which is really interesting. Yeah. So I guess just like in, in terms of how it presents and it just like concern, concern for the other person kind of with the understanding that you've experienced similar things and you don't want that person to, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think um, <clears throat> there is, there is a difference also between uh, empathy and sympathy. I think with empathy, it's more of um, the, stepping into someone's uh experience through your own experience um while sympathy is more of a you're 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 still separated um because you may not have that that similar experience and so like you were saying about um <clears throat> the the that that region of the brain when you experience pain happens also when someone else experiences pain and you have, can relate to that um i think that that uh, influences how like I have, I want to, I mean, we talked for like two and a half hours before about things that we um, kind of related on. And I think that was, there was a lot of applications of empathy there and that we had similar experiences. And so I could apply my uh, natural theory of mind and, and see how you felt through my, my sense. Um, and I think that uh, like with regards to how it works and then also how helpful it is, I think that's something that is extremely helpful and it makes us 
pretty awesome as far as uh, species in that we can uh, step outside of our own shoes and, and see, see what the experience is like. But I think um, there is a, there is an issue uh, I think today and in general, I think it always happens with people is that there is the overdrawn um, emotional impact that empathy can have with people when they, when they relate too much or they try to relate too much to that person's experience. And um, I was wondering, I guess, with, with your, uh, with your lab, do they see how that influences the brain um, as I guess, if you were to uh, quantify that quantify empathy, how, like where, what's kind of the tipping point and where that, how that occurs. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I kind of just got two thoughts as you were saying that. I think, okay, well, I'll, I'll explain a little bit about like the lab. Um, sure. So we focus on um, social and effective. So kind of pro-social behavior um, and, you know, these things that back up emotion. Um, and we do that through the two extremes. So on one extreme we have, we study extreme altruists. So those are people who, um, donate like a kidney or an organ to a complete stranger. Mm. Um, and then we also study people with psychopathic tendencies and diagnose um, psychopathy. Mm. And so um, you really get the two ends of the spectrum and kind of understanding like what it is when you lack empathy, which is what um, people with psychopathy lack. Um, and then also people like with extreme empathy um, gives you kind of this clear picture of the overall overall thing um but yeah so i i i don't know because i think that people who are these extreme altruists as we call them like well so a lot of what i did last fall for the lab was the structural brain um i would just like was reviewing structural brain um images and so those are like uh mris of people's brains um, and one thing that you can see is that the amygdala in extreme altruists is larger than it is in, um, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like a normal human or, and so then we also see that it's smaller in a person with like psychopathic Psych tendencies. psychopathy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I guess that's kind of what that like tipping point would be like kind of yeah. like volume but mm -hmm. I, I also think like when you're saying that it made me think of kind of like my own experiences and like people I know like um, there is a point where being too empathetic is um, unhealthy not good yeah. yeah because if you take if you take on too much of other people's problems then you're hurting yourself in a way um, and so I kind of think about that and like you know I've talked to my mom about different like relationships I've been in or you know when my friends are going through hard things like you want to be there for them and you want to help them but you don't want to do that to the point where you can't function or what they're going through is so like so big um that you kind of like take it on as if you're going through it too um and so I think I think empathy has needs to have limits um but I also think like you're saying in our society like it I don't think as a society we're there. Like I think, no. <laughs> I think there um, there are a lot of ways in which we're um, lacking empathy, and I think like we're we talked like a second for a second about it, but like with social media, like with social media, you don't 
I guess like you don't get the full RCCs. picture. That's for yeah, sure. yeah, for sure. Um, and like our species isn't programmed to like have all this input from so many people all the time, and that's kind of like what social media has become. And um, I think like it's it's hard because you're not like you know like whatever cyberbullying and all that stuff like you're not seeing the person that you're actually affecting you're not seeing how it's like affecting them emotionally or kind of the things that it's causing in their lives and you also don't know what's going on in their lives mm-hmm. um and so i think it creates that kind of like separation and um divide that allows for that kind of lack of empathy for sure for sure and i think <clears throat> something to add on with social media is that there's actually the other side the opposite side of that coin is that it connects us all very much. And so um, sometimes there is too much of that. And you'll see on, on social media where there's videos that we'll see where uh, an incident occurs and we may not get the whole, whole um, context of that, of that video. But in that clip, you see the kind of main event, the main situation. And from that, you feel these emotions and you can, and you almost understand, you, you feel empathy for the person experiencing whatever it may be in this video. And um, <clears throat> with regards to police brutality, for example, I mean, obviously there's, it's, it's fucked up. <laughs> there's, there's no other way to put it, but it's, um, but it's only a video and there's only so much you get out of that video. And there's something that like, you'll see, um, and I've experienced this too, is where I watch these videos. Like you watch the George Floyd video, eight minutes and 46 seconds. You can, it, unless you're a psychopath, you cannot feel for George Floyd in that moment and or, or that, that eight or that, that time period. And that it's, it is so painful to watch, but it's something like that where social media has managed uh, to connect us in a way that it can also overdraw this empathy from people. And it can, um, it can ask a lot from us, despite us not having all the information we need if we have been there in person. And um, I think that's, I think when what you were saying, how we, uh, as a society, I think it's hard to generalize um, with regards to something as uh, specific as, as empathy. I think different parts of society have it a different or have different levels of it, I guess. Um, I'd say, for example, on college campuses, I think it's higher. Um, I would say, and um, maybe in in more, uh, in I guess if you go into politics, it can be also with regards to that. It can influence your your uh, your political standpoint if you um, I, like. I was telling you earlier with regards to um, you know left versus right. I mean, left is more compassionate. And so there's a lot more empathy felt. There's a lot more wanting to help those who can't, who don't get the help that they require to, you know, live a good life. And I think um, something like that, where it can be seen from the opposite side as too much. It can seem as, all right, you just care way too much about this problem that you can't really do much about. And then there's the other side is like, but I can do something. So why not do something? And, and I think there is, like the middle ground there is all right yeah do something but i think adding all this extra emotional baggage that you give yourself that is only uh at the end of the day controlled by you um is something that is hard to 
achieve, obviously. Um, I mean, emotions are a very complex thing. And as you, as you, we both know, uh, and they, they take control in a way that isn't even, um, may not even be in our control. Like you were saying about the amygdala, the part of the brain that, uh, has a lot of our, um, what's paleomammalian brain, which is like a much more reflexive portion of, and the amygdala specifically is the more emotional reactions that we have. And so with a larger amygdala, you, um, you're more likely to, uh, maybe break out in tears if you were told that, uh, or if you're given a bad grade, for example, not you specifically, I'm just saying general (laughs) you. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and vice versa with psychopathy, if, if someone were to tell um, you that, that, you know, their boyfriend just broke up with them and you go, eh, okay. And then life goes on, you know, you, there is the balance that is kind of hard to achieve when there is the biological aspect that's in control, but also there's the, there is um, the, the social aspect of it that is how dare you not care? There is that, that push on people. And so I think, I think it's hard to just say, you know, that we have, we lack it or we don't lack it. I think it depends on the demographic of the people, the age group, the, the, um, the moral standpoint that they'll have. Um, and with regards to that political standpoint that they have. Um, but uh, with that, I think, do you, th- or I actually, I ask, <laughs> do you think social media um, I think it's getting worse. I think social media is just making this problem more and more apparent, and um, and it's it's uh, ha- making us have to tap into those emotional states a lot more. Uh, do you see a way that that goes the other way around? That social media helps this? Um. Well, first of all, I don't think I don't think as a society we're like going to a place where like we have too much empathy I think like we um are good at like you know humans kind of I know you can't make extreme broad statements but we're good at kind of our brains are programmed to functioning properly to kind of like help us regulate and um exist and ultimately survive Mm -hmm. um and so I I I don't know that I would say like we're yeah so that's just like kind of part of that but um Social media, I think, is, yeah, it's a very complex thing for a lot of reasons. Um, but I think because you don't get that full picture um, that, you know, it's it's kind of the superficial and, like, not to go into, a, like, a complete tangent, but, like, I deleted my Instagram, like, all the time. Like, I deleted it recently, but I, like, I deleted it, like, maybe, like, for three months span. And then I, like, come back to it and then I deleted it again because I'm just, mm. like, this is, like it's like stupid like I you know I think about my own life and I'm like okay I put this picture out there but there was actually so many things going on and I was like completely miserable and like blah 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 and like and you like don't get that full story and you don't know that and so like I I think that yes because it's pretty superficial like we can lack um yeah, you just don't have like all the information that might give you that uh, like empathetic response if you were to be in person with that person or in that situation. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I uh, I go back and forth on it all the time. I think that social media can be 
um, a powerful tool, but uh, maybe it's just the day. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I don't think that I don't, I don't think that, you know, all the things it does do um, necessarily outweighing all the bad. But something that you were talking about earlier, like with police brutality and kind of all that stuff, like I'm sure you remembered, but like people posting on their stories, like every day like so much like okay do this do this like you know if you don't do this you're a bad person or like you know what we were talking about earlier around the election like I I don't know how actually productive that was in terms of like I I think some of it's like showy honestly and like it's kind of like you're trying to prove to other people that you're not a bad person so you're like okay I'm gonna put this like story on my Instagram or do this and do that but I don't know how much of that actually translates into real emotion and real um you know changes in your behavior offline um and when i literally just said offline i feel like such an adult like (laughs) no but it's true i mean there there is a lot of especially our age i mean a lot of behavior is done online so there is the other element which is offline behavior and um i mean like something i've noticed with um with like being off of uh off of my phone more so on on the ranch and stuff is um this there's like different interpretations of a situation when you have as much of an influence or as much or you have uh social media influencing as much of your um your perspective on something and that with your perspective comes the emotional aspect of it and that emotion can bring on empathy and I think um, to um, it's it's hard when it's become so much of our daily lives. Um, like you said, I mean, you delete it and then you get back on it, and so it happens. Um, I don't I don't do that specifically, but I try to I try to be um, cognizant of my usage and, and try to try to make sure that if I getting an image or a a situation or a perspective of something that I'm getting as much as I can of it. Um, I fail all the time. I probably fail more than I succeed in that situation. Sorry. All good. Can Can you hear me? me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. I just lost you for like a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Cut out. Basically what I was saying is that like, I try to, I try to, or what, where did you miss? Cause basically if I can simplify, um, just yeah i just i didn't hear literally any of it it? (laughs) okay so well then i can reframe it because i i think i messed that up um but with with social media like you were saying about people you were saying saying you're off your phone more oh yeah well i'm off my phone more and and this this like this offline versus online uh discussions i mean i see it um that's what it was it was with with regards to people what they post and then who they are in those interactions and I would say almost everyone I know uh, who I see, which I don't see many people now, but, um, or who I interact with uh, in conversation, those people tend to not reflect what their social media uh, activity is. And so like, I think, um, I think that right there is a flaw of, of social media and that you can be an entirely different person if you want to be on your social media and then be this, this genuine normal guy or girl person, whatever, um, that, that you want to be, uh, outside of your phone. But I, I, I don't see how 
like why do that is what I don't understand. And that I, I personally, I mean, I, I don't post on social media very much. Um, especially I don't post, I don't try to post opinions all the time, especially with regards to political and social issues. Um, because I think the more valuable conversations are in person. Um, I know COVID really restricted that, but even then my circle shrank and those are the people that I valued the most. And so I had those conversations and those conversations were more vital. Um, and I think going back to that, how you were saying about posting and, and stuff. And like, I think that virtuousness that people try to present, it may not be that they're trying to actually show off, you know, that, Oh, I, I have better morals than you because I'm posting that, um, uh, you know, all these, all these things that apply to the social issues now. And it's like, probably not because you may not even be talking to anyone about this stuff. So then you're just posting stuff and that's it. Like for all we know, you're holed up in your room, just, just looking for things to post when I'm here trying to have conversations and make sense of the situation. Um, and I think that right there with regards to empathy, like that person, I would rather be the person that is purely offline having as many conversations about these situations that are going on than someone who is purely online, who is not talking to anyone, but posting all this stuff. Because I think there's, there's like, there's like extreme altruism and psychopathy with regards to like a spectrum of, of the intensity of, of your empathy. Yeah, yeah. But then there's also genuine empathy versus just pure fake empathy. And I think, I think genuine empathy is achieved with human interactions. And that's something that social media just does not have um, in store for us. We don't, you can't achieve genuine interaction. Even if you've gone an Instagram live, like you can have a, so you can add someone to that conversation, but then you're doing it in front of all these people and you're trying to make sure that you don't say the wrong thing, or you're trying to make sure that you say the wrong thing so you can piss off the right people. Like there's still an ulterior motive that so social media uh, will dig out of you that right here, this conversation, I don't, I have no ulterior motive to this conversation. I don't know. I have many. So, <laughs> oh, like, you time. do. Oh, dang it. <laughs> well, it's not stopping me from trying to talk my, or speak my, my most genuine self, which is a good thing, but it's, it's with regards to that. I mean, like, I guess, the question is where do we find that, that balance of like, okay, I see what I see and I can post what I want to post, but I don't post enough that it makes, uh, that it matters to me. You know, I don't need to be constantly looking for posting, and I, but I'm still making sure that I'm, uh, you know, involved in the conversation of, of, uh, how things should be going and what's going on. Um, and well, I, I think mean, like, how do you see that? Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, I think that that kind of goes or gets at what you want the role of social media to be, like what you want kind of this, what you want, what the purpose you want it to serve. Mm -hmm. And I think like, people, like, you can't, you can't fucking live your life on social media, like, <laughs> and people do and like then they're not they're not the same person offline and it's just like awkward for them because like you've created this you know false thing that doesn't exist um and so I guess like you know if you if you take it like with a grain of salt 
almost like uh, understand that what you're seeing isn't this like replication of reality like it's really just like snippets of people's existence um and they're so controlled like people are messy and that's not the thing you get on social media mm-hmm. um and so yeah I guess like I don't know have you have you seen um what's it called the social dilemma <sighs> yes the social dilemma very good um yeah it's really good but it like you know it and this is kind of like where I was thinking of empathy in this whole thing like you it kind of makes you think that social media and like technology in these ways are malicious even like they're like they're not they're not um achieving these good things like we might think and I you know as part of the social dilemma there's like that graphic that like stuck with me of you know kind of advancement that our society has made and how like the rate of technology compared to everything else is just like extreme Mm -hmm. um and so we haven't really like as a species like even in our lives like I don't know I guess I like first heard of like Instagram when I was in sixth grade and I was like what is this whatever but now it's a huge thing yeah um and so like we don't evolve that quickly and like we never will and so something like you know empathy or like these other emotions and ways we interact with other people like our brain isn't ready for that in in a way like our we're not ready as a species to like get this judgment from so many people all the time like we get on social media or like um you know having all these inputs about like how other people's lives are going and you know the things that would be a cause like invoke empathy in us if we were just interacting with them day to day in like a normal way um and so I don't know like what we really do with that other than just accept that like like make a conscious decision to remind yourself often that social media isn't like just like a reflection yeah and I think like we were talking about this earlier too like people care about like so much like they care so much about like how they're perceived and what they put out there and kind of you know the reputation that they've cultivated mm-hmm. um and I just like it's it's like stupid like <laughs> sorry mm-hmm. it just is like <laughs> I don't know um because it's, uh, it's like it's not real like I don't know yeah I mean it's like when you I mean, when you, it's just a basic one. Like when you when you visit a, a national park, you see it, then you take a picture of it. It's not the same thing. You can edit the picture. It can look beautiful. It can look this, that, and the other. But when you're there and you smell and you feel the the air, the ground, you can you can just experience the full thing. It's totally different. And so, yeah, I totally agree with with that. That there is a there's an overvaluation of what our social media presentation has. And um, I'm glad it has not driven me into any sort of crazy psychotic state, but I've seen it happen <laughs> to some people. And I mean, it has, yeah. it, it toes the line on a lot of people. Um, I mean, it, it, it definitely influences my day-to-day life and um, I'm glad I know it, but now I got to do something about it. Um, but something you brought up was the maliciousness of social media. And I'm actually interested in that, in that the um, there and the social dilemma, it, it brought up 
the ulterior motives of developers of these apps in that their goal is to keep you on. So it doesn't matter what they show you or, um, or yeah, really just the, the content itself. They don't care about the content. It's just, can you stay on? How long are you going to stay on? What are you going to be looking at? And can we add to that flame? Um, and that's a frustrating thing about it that like what we said about um, the influence of our empathy in that we know, I, I mean, at least most people who have either seen social media or just have any idea how to use social media, they know that most of what they're looking at is fed to them um, because they want to be uh, using, they want to be, no, yeah, they want to be using your uh, uh, usage more. I, it's hard to word that, but basically no, it's yeah, that, yeah. Th there is an ulterior motive that is not related to the so social justice or to political activism or to uh, your sports under or your sports team or your, your um, whatever it may be to, to fashion, to food. Like they're just giving you more of whatever you want. And right there, that's a big problem in that um, it's not, it's not like Wikipedia, you know, you look up something and you're going to get the information that, that they can offer you. Social media is going to show you the thing that you look at the most and keep telling you that. And the thing that's going to keep, yeah. And the thing that they're going to keep you on the, and uh, keep you from, no, keep you from leaving the app. Yeah. And, um, and so I think that balance has to be more towards offline or, anti-social media in that sense in that there is a rather being a 50 50 balance that i i just really hope it never has to happen um i think it would, it would <laughs> oh have God. to be it have to be something pushing like 85 15 you know where you you spend not even 90 10 <laughs> you spend 10 percent of your time on social media 90 percent of the time you do anything else you can be on your phone but just do something else i think that alone um, has, has probably a lot of effects on, on our, uh, on our genuine sensations of emotion, but also our, our, our experience of, of, uh, of life in that we don't, um, we're not so blindly kind of pushed through, uh, information when we choose what we see and we actually interpret that on our own. Um, I think social media doesn't give you that room to, to make your own uh, interpretations. I mean, yeah. to some extent it does, but you know, you know what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, um, I would say I have a pretty good perspective on this because my parents were kind of like in the moment I thought they were crazy, but like now having had the experiences I, you know, grew up with and stuff, like I'm very grateful. Um, but so like, my siblings and I, we didn't get phones until we were like, I want to say like seventh, eighth grade, which is like probably was probably like pretty normal, like when we were that age. But like now, like kids, kids are getting them like so early. They're like four, um, you got a phone. It's like like what? <laughs> literally, you're born, you get yeah. a phone. Um, yeah. And we also like so we have a house up in Maine, and we'd spend the whole summers up there, and that was kind of like the big rule and it still applies to my sibling or not my sister anymore but my brother like when we spend time up there like our parents would just like literally take our phones so yeah. I would go for like 
like eight, nine weeks, like not, not having my phone at all. Um, and I think like it made, it made life. And obviously like I'm reflecting back on it, like, you know, kind of like nostalgia. And so obviously it wasn't like this, like awesome in the moment, but, um, it made our summers just like simple. Like we'd like, you know, go swimming and go sailing. We had like a bunch of friends and like a lot of our cousins are up there and stuff too. But like it, it, it like intensified like those experiences, which is like whack to say because that's just like how your life should be. But mm-hmm. I think like when when you're trying to like capture that stuff for social media or like to put out there to like, you know, like get other people to kind of like oh like almost in that moment like by trying to share it with them like you lose a lot of that for yourself um and yeah I don't know like I didn't have Instagram until I was a C I graduated high school and so I didn't like have that part as like part of my um high school experience too um yeah I just like going back to the social dilemma though um it's really like scary almost to hear these developers talking about how much the thing that they created has like gotten away from them like mm-hmm. they're just like this was not this is not necessarily what we thought this was going to be and now we can't like control it almost yeah um, yeah that's a <clears throat> that's a scary part of it i mean it's it's its own animal it's yeah yeah and uh, yeah, I, I think it's still so new that we're not really like sure where we're gonna end up with all that stuff. Um, too, like we have no, we have no fucking idea. We, don't. <laughs> no, we, really, we really don't. Um, but uh, going back to the empathy topic, because I can talk about social media for so long, but. It, it's, <laughs> It ends up, it ends up spiraling in circles because we know it's bad, but we use it, but it's there. But yeah, um, I think um, another aspect of uh, empathy is the uh, applicability in, um, in how, how we, I mean, we've talked about this, but like interacting one-on-one, you know, where, it, it can always be applied. I mean, someone tells you a story, you try to understand as much as you can. So you try and be as empathetic as you can and be in that story to the, to the greatest extent. Um, but with regards to, uh, you know, productive life, would you say it's more, um, I guess if this has been found or not in your, in your lab, but is this, um, is it more effective, less effective in, in, in your productive life? So we're trying to work, trying to, you know, conduct a meeting, um, have to, an have, to be empathetic or like, or what just is a, more... like, where is it, where is it applicable, I guess, in empathy? Um, or where do you see it? I guess more not not generally, not not like you're the final answer, but <laughs> your opinion. Yeah, no, me a junior in college, I know all about empathy. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think like something that's interesting or has been interesting since I started working in this lab like a year ago um, is the understanding that I've been able to kind of get about people with um, psychopathic tendencies and like 
I it's like it would be so much easier if I was just like psychopaths but like there's so like we try not to say that because like there's so many like um connotations with that word um and really it's like you know something they don't have control over but um yeah I I I think just studying what happens when there's a lack of empathy has pushed me to be like 100 times out of 100 times like we want more empathy than less um because something like well what's interesting about people that have psychopathy um is that they like the big thing with them is like fear so they can't understand other people's fear and so they engage in behaviors that cause other people suffering and cause them to be fearful but like they they don't like understand they see it as normal yeah or i mean yeah and so um they often like they cause a lot of suffering because they lack that and it's not that they don't themselves experience fear they do um but they just kind of rationalize themselves as like oh you know it wasn't that bad when i experienced it and so like it's probably like it'll be fine you know like and I, i think like you know, we hear about like the extreme versions of like oh, this person like uh, like had psychopathic tendencies and then they like killed someone and that's like not not the case and like the majority of um, the majority of like these people but um, with it's just it's like that disconnect that is the like key part of like I understand this emotion I know what it feels like for me and then I'm then going to alter my behavior so that I'm not putting this experience on someone else, you know? And like, mm-hmm. I think in terms of like every day, well, were you, <laughs> were you asking about that? Or were you asking like how? No, keep going. I'm interested in, I mean, okay. I, I didn't even know what I was asking really. It was, it was more, <laughs> it was more, I guess, like what have you learned from, from this study more than anything? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that, and this is like a little, not necessarily super related to my lab, but um, I think in our society, and I think like, honestly, we both grow, grew up in the DC area. We, you know, attended these like pretty elite schools and, you know, there's kind of a environment that goes along with that of like, you want to get ahead and parents want their kids to get ahead and it's pretty competitive and all this stuff. And I think like that is, um a place where I can see a need for empathy because you know if we're like if as we're kids and I'm not saying that your parents did this or and I don't think my parents did this either but like if there's kind of this focus on like what kids can like achieve and kind of like a get ahead mentality like then a lot of a lot of stuff gets left behind in that um Mm -hmm. and like that's where being a more empathetic person or you know valuing empathy and all that kind of stuff would (laughs) I guess like end up in a in a more livable world like that's like so like cheesy but yeah it makes the experience better for everyone involved which I guess is kind of the whole the whole thing about empathy, um, you know, kind of the idea that if you do this, 
if you interact with people in this way, like they're also going to interact with you in that way. Like you take empathy, you feel empathy. And so you like, you know, don't do this thing that, you know, could hurt someone. And then you hope that that's what they'll do back to you. Um, Mm. I have no idea if that's (laughs) where you're trying to go and (laughs) ask that question, but I, uh, just for, I don't know how this came up, but, um, have you, you, I'm not well read in it, but, uh, you know, of you're interested at all in stoicism by any chance or know about it to some extent. I, I know about it to some extent through a podcast. Have you heard of the happiness lab? Yes. Uh, I've okay. listened to, I've listened to, um, is it Elizabeth Santos? I think is her name. Lori, Lori Santos. Yeah. So she, yeah. she was on this, um, I, I, I don't know if I've told you, but I've mentioned it many times on this podcast of this app I use, the Waking Up app, and it's a meditation app, and it has um, practices. It's called and, the Waking Up app? Yeah, Waking Up is the app. Okay. And um, okay. it's, uh, it's by this guy, Sam Harris, and he has a, he has a podcast called Making Sense Podcast. And, but in this app, she, he has a conversation with Lori Santos. Wait, and they talk did about, he talk about the go science on his of podcast? Uh, I think it was his podcast. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cause I, I think that I've heard that one. About the oh, really? Of the science yeah, yeah, of happiness. Yeah. yeah. It's very interesting. And they, they talk about um, like a, the big thing that I got from that part, from that conversation. Now that I remember that um, is the, like your happiness is correlated with more interactions with people, um, which was interesting when, I see a lot of people, I mean, even these people on the ranch, like I asked about going to a city with that, like talking about them going to a city. It's like, it's too many people. I don't want to talk to them. And it's like, they barely have these conversations every day, but they seem pretty happy. I mean, not all of them, but to some extent there, <laughs> I think I definitely see that. Um, I would say that, I, uh, and obviously this is, this is backed by science. So it's totally true that, that I think more interactions, um, and which allow us to gain more empathy and gain more wisdom about how to understand people and, and their, their experiences is, um, is incredibly, um, effective. And like you were saying, um, well, going back to stoicism, um, I've been, I've been using this um, part of, there's a practice they're called the stoic path in this. And it's this guy, William B. Irvin, who is a professor of philosophy, but he also wrote these two very good books. Um, I haven't, I've, I'm going to read this. There these two books called the stoic challenge. And I can't remember the other one, but they're both like introductions to modern stoicism and, um, and that it, it's not, you're not reading Marcus Aurelius and Seneca. You're, you're reading a a 21st century author who can make sense of your day-to-day life through a stoic lens. And, um, I've, I've taken it up as of, uh, as of the last week. And, um, it's been really interesting in that there's, there's a series of practices such as, did your headphones die? (laughs) Or can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, your headphones died. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh, no problem. Um, there's a bunch of practices like uh, negative visual- visualization, talking about last, last time meditation. There's um, experiencing what's called like living the dream life. Um, there's perspective retrospection and there's uh, and then he has other other training um, methods with uh, with stoicism and um, something that. 
like what is stoicism what's kind of the like big basic central tenet or the it's hard i don't i can't like speak from pure knowing it but if i had to like pinpoint it is kind of um it is the experience of not because like what, what is i guess if i were to baseline or kind of build the ground is that a lot of people see it as uh not feeling feelings and that's not true because that that's not that doesn't make sense <laughs> um and it's more about not trying to have negative feelings. Now, that being said, you will always experience these negative feelings, but with, with regular meditation, but also stoic meditation, they allow you to acknowledge these situations and reframe them to have, um, to not see them as purely negative or purely evil. And that's kind of what it, it, it if that were to be the central tenet, I think, I think that's what the central tenet is. Um, trying to control your emotions as opposed to having them control. Yeah. 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 In a sense. I mean, that's generally what a lot of um, meditation is. Yes. And, and many spectrums of awareness are, but um, this one is more about accessing um, being able to think negatively to then use that as positive thinking. So that, that's actually one of the ones called the upside of negative thinking, which I love. Um, and it's Wait, talking was about- one, Was this the one about the guy who talked to Michael Phelps's coach? I'm not, I'm not totally sure. Um, okay, where like Michael, um, uh, I forget what Olympus it was. Like, I wanna say like 2012 or something like that. He, his goggles like got water in his goggles and so he couldn't see it all. And um, he's like, fuck, like, I'm going to, like, lose this. He was trying to, like, qualify for some, or, no, I think it was in the Olympics, like, trying to get the gold. And he was like, okay, well, the race has already started. Like, I can't just, like, stop. And so he ended up just, like, doing it, like, from memory. Because I guess in training, he had been like, okay. He's probably done it so many times. It's muscle yeah. memory. Yeah, yeah, This is how many strokes. This is how many breaths. At this point, like, like I'm going to hit the wall and I need to flip, like, all this stuff. And, um that like preparing for the worst like that kind of like negative thinking of like yeah exactly exactly so there's there is like with negative thinking there's many elements of negative thinking and that there's um you know you have negative visualization that's a huge one in stoic thinking and actually they talk about this in the science of happiness and probably in the happiness lab too is that um you you basically, if you're in a situation where you're not happy or you're, you're stressed out or just in, in an uncomfortable circumstance, uh, you take a moment and, um, for example, right now, I and mean, let's say you're stressed out and you're hating this conversation, you can, you can, eh, I'm glad <laughs> there's, there's, you could imagine that you're, um, you know, standing naked in the snow, like that would be awful. That sounds terrible. Why would you want to do that? Probably no reason at all. But let's say someone threw you out of out of a car and you're in a t-shirt and shorts and it's negative 25 degrees outside and that's how you have to survive. There is that is sounds a thousand times worse. And so that right there, um, obviously that's a very ridiculous one, but like there's there's other there's situations where they, they present that you're in traffic and you're you're frustrated. And um, you can imagine that you're on your deathbed. It's like, well, I'd rather be in traffic <laughs> than, than on my deathbed. Um, 
there's also about the last time. And that is that treating every moment um, as if it were the last or every experience as if it were the last. So that's something that uh, this app has uh, introduced, but that more specifically stoicism really focuses on is trying to treat each, each action you give and everything you do is as if it were, as if it were the last time you're going to do it. Um, and I, that one was like, it, it resonated with me a lot because, um, and I'm only 20 years old, but it's a very, it's, it can be seen as very morbid in that, like you could die right now. Like, yeah, maybe, but I I'm betting I'm not gonna. And that's kind of how, how I go, how I'm like willing to, to see, like my day-to-day life. And, but as, uh, as I've tried to implement stoicism more and more, it's, it's being able to see that, like, for example, feeding in the morning. I mean, that's like two and a half hours. That, it gets boring, but I try to do everything I, everything I can to make sure that those bales get to the, the bale feeder and get to the end of the, into the mouths of those cows to the best of my ability and the most effective way and the most, um, you know, simple way without any complications and if i keep that up i mean nothing's going to go wrong i can't imagine at least unless i mean weather conditions but as far as my control i'm going to do what i can to to do my best in every moment um and i think this this translates over to uh with like negative visualization and also last time meditation is uh, I'll add one more thing is the, this dream life idea, the, the idea that we are living a dream life. And that's that, um, or that you are living the dream life. And that is that the problem is it's not your dream. It's someone else's dream. They would, cause there are people that would wish to be in my position 10 out of 10 times. Um, I mean, you think of third world countries, you think of um, someone a homeless person. I mean, any situation that, that is, uh, seemingly unfortunate, uh, it will always deem my life as the dream life. And I think that brings on an incredible amount of empathy. I think I'm, when I like it right just now, <laughs> speaking about it, it kind of made me lighten up in my, my emotional state. And that like, I am so happy that I can have this conversation with you. And that I'm able to have this conversation with you because it, it, uh, you know, not many people get to do this kind of thing. And um, being afforded this is, is incredibly uh, for, I'm incredibly fortunate to do it. And no, I think are you that you're into me. That's why you're like super. Sure. <laughs> if you want to, <laughs> whatever you want at this point, I've been, to, for everyone listening now, Kathleen has done this many times. I've been getting, getting like this. So at this point, I've, I've given up. On, but, um, but something with that, I think, uh, with, with empathy in regards to um, that theory of mind, as you mentioned before the podcast, that uh, having it, you know, I think psychopathy you don't have theory of mind and i think with extreme altruism you have almost too much of it you're almost living your life through someone else and um i think stoicism finds the middle ground and allows you to live your life while knowing that there are other lives going on and that it could be yours that 
or no, but you, I don't know. It's something like could be, you could not be living the life that you are living right now, but you are. And that's amazing. And that's that, that to me helps me feel very empathetic. Yeah. And I think like, you know, when you're talking about, you know, last time meditation and this negative visualization, it all came back to me that I definitely did listen to uh, him talk. I guess he was, she was on his la- a podcast or he was on hers. Um, and I think like, like you're saying, the last time meditation can seem very morbid, like, okay, this is the last time I'm going to do it, like, um, whatever. But I think what actually comes of that, and this is what um, they were saying too, like they've found um, that that causes, um, you know, gratitude and an appreciation for these things that um, can, like you're saying, like, it's pretty, pretty menial to get these hay bales to your cows or you know like every morning like that's not something that seems like it would um be an awesome thing to do but like you know like like you're also saying in the dream life that's that's just like that's awesome like this is what you're doing like Mm -hmm. you're just this is this is what you're living this is what you're doing and like I think kind of shifting your mindset in terms of um yeah, I don't know. I guess like I'm a big, I'm a big person of like, you know, you, have, you have control over your mindset and there's all these things that you don't have control over. But if you can kind of like use that control that you have over that, like that aspect of your life. Sorry, there's like, I don't know if you can hear that. No, I can't hear it. You're good. Okay. Um, like, oh, I think it might be, I don't know, whatever. Um, like if you control that part of your life, like, that then changes your reality absolutely um, and so yeah i don't know i don't know how that all go back goes back to empathy but again we've been going down like whack, whack <laughs> yeah also anything's connected but. no i mean well i guess if you want to um correlate it back it can be that that um the like i always try to think of that frame of mind as just if it were to be a a saying or an expression, it would just be control the things you can control. And then, and then it's kind of blank, like anything can happen after that. Like, I don't, I don't know what, what comes from me taking control of my situation, but I can bet that it's probably going to be pretty good. And I think it's probably favorable. Um, I think if I make sure that I get up at the same, at like the time I want to in the morning, you know, make sure to eat, Make sure to, um, you know, exercise, make sure to uh, maintain my hygiene and make sure to maintain a, a consistent ethic towards my work, towards my general existence. Um, it, it seems unlikely that, oh, and my attitude just generally in life. Um, it seems unlikely that, that if something uh, unfavorable were to happen, that it would it would make me so fragile that I would just break apart. Um, well, that's like, I'm, I'm sorry. I know you don't want to talk about coronavirus. But <laughs> that's fine. Go ahead. Um, yeah. I guess that's something that I've thought about um, in terms of this horrible thing. Cause now, you know, we're in a year in it and who knows when the end's going to be like, that's kind of the way that I have been trying to get through it. Like there's this external thing, this huge oh. pandemic and like, we don't have control over the fact that it's happening. It's just happening. Mm-hmm. But we do have control over the fact of like, 
when we're going to wake, like you're saying, like when we're going to wake up, like, are we going to exercise? Are we going to make sure that we're doing these other things? And I think, you know, obviously there's a lot of things that we can't do right now because of whatever, but like, it doesn't have to, like, I, I don't know. I was talking about this with a friend um, in terms of like, you know, our college experiences. And she's like, oh, like some of my friends are like, just waiting for this to be over and like okay when this is over like in our senior year we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this and it's gonna be awesome and she was saying like well that's just stupid because your life is happening like right now yeah and you just being like okay I'm gonna you know just like wait it out or just kind of you know get through for this like future time like that's stupid because that's not that's not what you're in right now that's not um that's not your life right now. Um, and so I guess like just going back to what you're saying of like how you can control what you, yeah. Or like, you just need to, you need to control what you can control. And I think that, um, that that's a hard thing to acknowledge and to remind yourself of daily, um, especially when like the situation is so big and serious, like the one we're in now and, you know, has affected kind of every aspect of our lives, but yeah, your attitude is, is something that you and your mindset, like those are things that you do have con- complete control over. Um, and I think it, it definitely is like, it's hard to remind yourself of it, but just because it's hard doesn't it's, mean. It's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. I've, I said that. Yeah. Many times. I'll, I'll, I'll hear that. Um, I think that, I mean, even with that, I mean, like the, the controlling aspect of like, you may not have control of what you do all the time, you know, with regards to work, your boss is going to tell you what to do and so be it. Um, but how you do it and um, well, how you do it really. And, and with that comes the, how you do what, you know, your, uh, your mindset gives you um, is so important. And um, I, I, I've brought this up so many times on the podcast, but can't say it enough. The uh, meditating has opened a door to the sense of control um, that I have with moment to moment thoughts that uh, I, I never thought I'd have. Um, especially I've, I, I've mentioned this, I've mentioned this on the podcast, but not to you that, that um, I have ADHD and with that, my, my attention just jumps all over the place. Um, it's something that I notice on this podcast even. And uh, I try to become aware of it and try to, you know, take the right steps to make sure that my, my path is somewhat straight on and not, not winding all over the place, but it is what it is. There's not, there's not as much control um, as I, I can have. I try to have as much as I can. Um, I try to not, and this is something that, um, I see a lot actually is that we give up control. We give up uh, this. We say, we give excuses. I mean, I do it all the time and it is so BS. We give excuses for not being able to exercise because uh, someone else is or not being able to uh, wash the dishes because you're sore. Like there's excuses that you'll give that's a random one, but I'm, I'm just, I'm giving, Hey, that's an absurd one, but that's probably something that someone said at some point. Um, but that being said, like 
there's ex- we give excuses and I give excuse. Everyone gives excuses for things when um, it it is so much better to just do the thing and make it worth doing your best than it is to avoid that problem, that, that pile of crap, um, because it's not going away. Uh, you know, the dishes are still going to be there and they're not going to clean themselves. And you don't, I don't have a dishwasher, so I do have to do it by hand. And that is, that is not the worst thing in the world. (laughs) I have running water so I can live with that. Um, but giving excuses is, is probably the easiest way out of doing so many things. And I think, um, I'm, I'm so at fault at this It is almost shocking, but trying to be aware of this, be mindful of my, of my ways of thinking, um, is definitely, has definitely allowed me to, to try to progress, um, and reach more of a potential of my work ethic and my, my appreciation for, for what I can be doing and what I am doing. And, um, I think, uh, that goes back again to empathy in that, in that, like being able to, um, if I do more things, if I rather than just sitting on my phone all the time, that means that I'll have more experiences. And with having more experiences, that means I will have a broader range of understanding. And that, allows me to access more empathy and be able to also acknowledge that um, whether it is worth, you know, the indulgence of empathy or not. And um, that is, again, it's, it's, it's something that, that is very important when it comes to who we are is having that empathy. Um, but it is, a uh, it is only, let's see. <laughs> It is only so, uh, actually, no, that's not what I was going to say. It is more so uh, an effective thing that um, allows you to keep the frame focused. That's what I was going to say. In that um, when when we have a situation that is unfortunate come about, um, rather than um, saying, oh, it's, you know, I'll get it done later or, Oh, I can't do that. I can't focus on movies or, Oh, I can't watch this. I hate this. It's like you have to, or you should, or it's helpful for who you are. It's going to help you be this person. I think the rationale, I mean, we are amazing rationalization old people, rationalization. No, but like the verbal, form of rationalization like we rationalize anything we can rationalize almost anything ever um any human act that's been done that person will rationalize that act as heinous as it is there will be a reason that makes sense to that person and that's a beautiful thing but a very flawed thing and um i think that goes back to being able to uh keep the frame centered and knowing that uh you're gonna do that you're gonna have these slip-ups but as long as you can maintain that focus um i mean you're pretty much unstoppable he just went all about unstoppable he's like yes sir just (laughs) unstoppability um yeah no i think like people do to make excuses and i think that that's 
you know, kind of something that hinders empathy sometimes. Um, like, okay, like, you know, I'm having a hard time in this way. So like, I don't, I don't have that to give to someone else, you know? Um, and I, yeah, I, I think like, uh, yeah, I think how, how you're raised has a lot to do with that. And I think, you know, I thought about that a lot in terms of like the election and how people are reacting to like the coronavirus situation, all that stuff. Like if you have this foundation, um, to care about other people, like it's literally just that, like to yeah. care about other people and, and not just always think about yourself. Like, um, it gets harder to not, you know, it, it gets harder to make these excuses, um, for why you're not doing this or why you're not, you know, doing it to the best that you can. And I, I think like it's human, it's normal to be tired or lazy or whatever. And like, like want to kind of take the easy way out but you know that doesn't mean you should as yeah. as you've told me multiple times already um <laughs> yeah so so I don't know I don't I don't know like where we go from there in terms of how to cultivate more empathy or um you know what we can do as individuals but also kind of as individuals coming together in a larger societal sense um yeah, I guess just like take responsibility <laughs> for like who you are and how you show up and mm-hmm. I guess that other people do that as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. There's um I don't know much about this, but there's like this concept of effective altruism that I've heard about and um it kind of it's more on you, you talked about with like extreme altruism, how like will, someone's willing to donate a kidney to some random stranger, but um, damn it! Oh, there you are. It, it um, there's also that with like the effective, like where is the balance? And this is like effective altruism, and um, I think that is kind of what we're going for here. Like you just said, I mean, the empathy, a good balance in empathy, good versus too much versus too little. Um, and I, I cultivating that, <clears throat> I think it really comes down to a mindset thing. I think it comes down to, uh, it's, it's finding a good reason to be a good person and be a person that cares, uh, while still maintaining, uh, a self-interest maintaining some sense of, all right, well, I still need to eat every day. And, um, you know, I need to, I need to get my sleep. So I can't just donate my entire life and effort and attention to this one person or this one group or this one thing, this one organization. I have to be able to uh, distribute that uh, effort effectively. And um, I honestly, yeah, I agree. I don't know. I don't know how we cultivate that, but um, I certainly hope, certainly hope that this starts the conversation of trying to find it. You know, yeah. um, I think and it'll make me think about this. I mean, I, when you brought up empathy and trying to have this conversation, I was like, hi, how the hell are we going to talk about this? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. But um, I, I think like, you know, yeah. I think that something that I learned in studying altruism and empathy, like uh, there, and there is, there is like, you know, extraordinary altruism where you don't expect anything in return. But I think like, that's not true just for all altruism. Like, I think you kind of do these things with the, 
and not like in a selfish way, but you do these things kind of with the expectation that something like this is, it's like karma. Like you do something good and like you, you hope that something good comes back to you in the future. Um, and so I think like it, it just putting a little faith in like, and trust that these things are going to come back to you is kind of where you have to start, I guess. Mm-hmm where to start i'm interested in that um i lost my train of thought (laughs) no you're good you're good um yeah i have very little left on empathy i have not i don't know i don't know if we can keep talking about this um let's see here with uh we don't we don't have to talk about empathy. no i'm trying to, i'm trying to jump to something else here <laughs> well okay so i guess we can jump on sympathy we can do that and do the comparison of the two eh? the difference we can also stop because we've been talking yeah we have been talking for what three four and hours. a half four hours yeah it's crazy um yeah, might as well. <laughs> you know, <laughs> all right. I well, love this experience, but I also like. <laughs> we have things to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks for coming on. This was a lot of fun, though. Yeah, I yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I really liked you know, kind of talking through these things. But you definitely, you definitely pushed me to think of things in different ways, um, and that's that's good. As you know, we determined earlier, it's good to have these kinds of discussions. And I think it's really cool that this is, you know, what you're doing with the whole podcast and getting people's opinions and sharing your own and, you know, creating that discourse. So thank you. Yep. No problem.